Good morning. Oh, what a well-trained crowd. Good morning. <laughs> it's so lovely to hear you all talking and buzzing excitedly. Uh, my name is Johanna. I'll, I'll be your host uh, here on this stage for the next two days. Some of you have heard me before and know I'll probably come in and talk about something super depressing <laughs> at the top. And yes, that is correct. I will do that. Again, some of you are here for the first time and you will think I'm out of my mind. Like, why is she talking about, like, a personal failing. Apologies, I shall. Um, it's part of my job often to try and stop and, and consider uh, what's the sort of zeitgeist moment, like what's the landscape that we're all living in, coming into these days from. And um, compared to last year, it, it did strike me that the culture seems to have turned back from a collectively and, and systemically oriented moment towards more sort of individual and, and national worries. And uh, for me personally, I thought, okay, but maybe it's just like I have a 10-month-old baby at home, so maybe that's why I'm like focused there. But I talked to a lot of friends who say, no, it's, it's, they feel it too. And I think a lot of that has to do with inflation, uh, actually. I think a lot of families uh, like mine have, have had economic worries um, of a kind that maybe we haven't uh, seen before the last year for quite some time. Uh, I think there are a lot of people now, in fact, who are middle class, and statistically, everybody in this room is, is middle class now, whether you know, that was your original circumstance or not. But I think in a, the last year, a lot of us have had to financially see to our own house and worry about our own extended families in a way that a lot of us haven't done for a long time, if ever. And at the same time, just as the economy is contracting, receding also from, from view, from our attention, is that shared moment of the pandemic. It's tragedies, of course, but also it's possibilities for change. And as workers in this economy, I think we're facing a lot of pressures to go back to how everything was before, to have non-flexible office hours in a physical office, and to, to, come, to not stay home when we're ill. And I think that the effects of the economic moment on our sense of security is used, in fact, in a lot of subtle ways when you start paying attention, to make us be less troublesome to not put our values first. I think our fear is being used, in fact, <laughs> by capital, uh, to just like enable little sly ways of postponing the transformations that are needed because of the climate crisis, even though every day uh, in the news uh, we see uh, more human suffering caused by extreme weather. And that suffering is coming closer Actually, it's even in the northern European countries, I think we see the economic and, and social devastation caused by extreme weather pretty much every day in the domestic news. And of course, all of that becomes a bandwidth issue. I worry about my mortgage. I worry about flooding in my city. I worry about my family members who are living on retirement benefits. I worry about my mom in her house in the Finnish forest about the risk of forest fires primarily, but also a little constant niggling fear about how close she is to the Russian border. I'm a worrier. Uh, I have an absolutely endless capacity for worry. But even I don't have endless cycles in my mind, an endless time. 
So on a day-to-day -day level, unfortunately, this means that I think a little bit less about flood victims in Pakistan and Slovenia. I think less about the people whose homes and local economies have been devastated by wildfires this year, about all the people whose traditions, all the beings whose ecosystems uh, are devastated because of human action. Even I think I worry, I'm starting to think a little bit less about crises and, and injustices that are affecting even my friends directly, like Russia's continuing war in Ukraine, everyday racism, everyday transphobia, and so on. And of course, I understand this dynamic in the sense of the media logic and the real estate of attention, but I have been thinking lately about something called compassion fatigue, that people who work with, with, uh, directly with alleviating suffering can suffer from. It's a kind of emotional exhaustion. I find myself monitoring myself for that, like, am I running out of care? And I think sometimes I am, and that has to be okay. We have to put that oxygen mask on ourselves first on the personal level. And it's healthy and good to go, like, to close the, off the news some hours a day to spend time with your family. But I want to make sure, so sure, that in this economy, my compassion fatigue or my personal tiredness doesn't turn into a solidarity fatigue, that we don't stop to think about like, how our lifestyles and actions affect others. I want to make sure that my exhaustion is not exploited by capital to postpone necessary transformations. I want to make damn sure that my personal fears and worries are not exploited by politicians to postpone or, or stop necessary transformations of governmental and societal systems. The personal fears that we have and that are totally valid shouldn't be allowed to stop us, to paralyze us from doing the practical work of change, which is the practical work of hope. And I think the pandemic made visible a moment of enormously significant transformation where we're, we're allowed to be human at work. Uh, it made visible uh, that professionals are humans with bodies and kids and messy living rooms and pajama pants and milk stains in my case. Um, and it was still possible for us to work in a way that's centered, like yes, of course, the relative importance of our work to our organizations and to the world, but also what we ourselves found, found valuable and important. And I don't think we should be allowed, we shouldn't allow people to pull ourselves back from that towards old norms of professionalness. We need to nurture joy and humanity, of course, to stave off our fear. But mostly, I think we need to be ourselves at work. We need to be fully human. I have to be human at work because work can be a place where I contribute to solutions that impact, with an impact that scales. And work has to be a place where I act in accordance with my values because if I can't, then I'm going to be diminished as a person every hour of the day and a paralyzing misery. And I'm sorry I'm here talking about a paralyzing misery, but if we don't live in accordance with our values at work, there's a real risk that a paralyzing misery will seep into our 24-7 life. And then even the bits that are just ours, we won't like ourselves very much. And ain't nobody got time to live like that. So I want to fight for a professional role that allows us to be fully human. And here we are, by sheer coincidence, at a professional conference, the conference. Indeed, many of you have been here before, some of you have not. And I also think all of us, regardless, are threatened by this guilt, like, oh, I'm not at the office, I should be writing that email, like, stuff's not happening, the others are not here, I should be bringing back useful things. How about we'll just let that go? 
just for today. This program, I promise you, will not give you five actionable bullets point, bullet points an hour. Like, that's a guarantee. That is not what you're going to get. But there will be value. There will be value for work. But there will also be, like, actual value <laughs> for our actual work in the world. Um, take the ride and flow with the program and see what happens. Today is about immersing ourselves into that, uh, into listening and reflecting perspectives and provocations. Tomorrow is more about practice and, and tactical action uh, in the spaces where we have agency in our lives so that we can stand next to each other uh, in that work. But allow yourself just to be in your body and be in your worries and your coffee stains and your problems and, and your like, not ideally brushed hair and think that you're being super professional for allowing yourself to be that complete person and going on this ride and exposing yourself to thoughts and strangers and all of these other like, immediately terrifying things. Having said this, I am now ready to introduce our first keynote speaker. Are you ready to hear this introduction? Yes, yes. That felt weirdly vulnerable, <laughs> so, I have to say, but I'm trying to practice what I preach. Okay, our opening keynote speaker is um, a world leader in digital strategy and technology, a strategic guide for political movements and, and civic organizations uh, focused on moving towards a more generative society. His first book, For All the People, on the relationship between media technology and our civic life, was published in 2021. He was a fellow at the Shorenstein Center at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government and helped lead the Obama for America campaign as Chief Integration and Innovation Officer in 2012 and as Deputy Digital Director and Chief Technology officer in 2008. He is also a philosopher. Please welcome Michael Slabian. 